And so we have been doing a sermon series on Imago Dei. So Imago Dei is Latin for image of God. And the first weekend, we discussed creation. And we explored the question, who am I? Who am I? How God created us as humans in his own image and how we must see ourselves in 3D. So if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, Pastor Paul talked about seeing ourselves in 3D. What that means is as image bearers, we have dignity. And secondly, God has given us a duty to fill the earth and to steward it well. And lastly, we are to be devoted to him to reflect and bring God glory. So that 3D was dignity and duty and devotion. But unfortunately, we rebelled against God, resulting in our fall, which we discussed last week. The fall or our sin has led to physical death and separation from God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, and our iniquities separate us from God. And so our sin is the problem, not our humanness. And our sin shattered our image in our relationships. We talked about that last week, where it was shattered. And so as we continue to discuss God's biblical story today, I want us to put those 3D glasses back on, and I want to start, first of all, with the first D of that, which is distorted, the distorted image because of our sin. And we are made in God's image, but sin has obscured that image. And I don't know if you've recognized in the hallway out in the lobby, we have these cool mirrors that are out there. If you haven't seen them yet, when you leave today, I'd encourage you to take a look at them. But you can see the one on the, the right there just reminds us of Imago Dei, where we are to reflect that image of God. And the one in the middle illustrates this distorted image, the distorted image that is caused by our sin And that third one, we're going to discuss a little bit later this morning. So let's look at that that second picture first, that second mirror of the distorted image. Because sin, the fall, shattered our image. It caused it to be marred and obscured and distorted. And we find ourselves worshiping creation more than the creator. Therefore, sin impacts all of our relationships. First of all, it impacts our relationship up with God because our disloyalty has led to separation from God. It impacts our relationship in with ourselves where we are hiding in shame because of our sin. It impacts our relationship with others because we're oftentimes blaming others because of that shame that we're feeling. And it impacts our relationship with the rest of creation where we have difficulty living in our fallen, cursed world. And we are enslaved or held captive to the power of sin. And we cannot save ourselves no matter how hard we we try or how good that we try to be. But I know I sure tried to do that when I was growing up. I did. I tried to put these shattered pieces back together all by myself. Where I believed that I could earn my way to heaven just by being good. And try to get God's favor just if I could just be good enough. Kids don't do this at home, okay? (laughs) And I didn't focus so much on God being worthy of praise, but I wanted God to praise me. And I wanted him to give me what I wanted. And I desired for others to see my goodness and to stroke my ego a little bit because I had this pride that I didn't think I really had, but yeah, I had a lot of pride there. I did. 
And I search for fulfillment in the things of this world without others oftentimes noticing. I felt this emptiness inside, and most people didn't even know that. But I remember driving around, oftentimes growing up in high school, listening to a song from the early 90s by Michael W. Smith called My Place in This World. Who knows that song? Yeah, we're all aging ourselves a little bit right there. We do. But I do. I remember driving around, oftentimes with tears in my eyes, listening to the song with the lyrics saying, I'm looking for a reason. I'm roaming through the night to find my place in this world. My place in this world. The key thing there is I was focusing on that word, my because it was all about me at the time. And I was seeking comfort and purpose in the things of this world. And I viewed the rest of creation as being there to serve me and to feed me for my own comfort. And I didn't want to ever have to suffer any type of pain or suffering. So when I look back, I had to ask the question, where was my devotion? Where was my devotion? Because it was all about me. It was all about me. But you look back at these songs that we just sang, and it talks about being all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It talked about Christ being our firm foundation. It talked about gratitude. And lastly, it talked about Jesus paying it all. Because we cannot save ourselves. Only God can. Jesus said, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And God is the only one who can restore our shattered pieces and our relationships. And that gives us the image of that third mirror. He's the only one that can put those pieces back together. And so therefore, when we move from creation to fall, that's not the end of the biblical story. And thankfully, it's not the end of my story or your story. Because today we're gonna talk about God's redemption. And next week, we're gonna talk about restoration. Because those are four key components of the biblical story, of God's story. So I want you to say this with me. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Say that with me again, it's important to recognize this. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Because Jesus did not come to save us from humanity, He came to save us from our sin and back to humanity, back to the image of the one that we are created to reflect. And how does he do that? Well, let's go to God's word this morning and let's learn directly from him. So if you brought your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to grab your Bibles. There's also ones in the front pockets of the chairs and turn with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter one. Colossians, it's in the New Testament. It's after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's after some of the epistles with Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. Then you're going into uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. Okay, that's where Colossians is at. So if you can please turn to Colossians with me, chapter one. And once you find it, please stand with me. Stand with me as I read God's word to us this morning. And listen closely as I read verses 15 through 23 of Colossians chapter one. It says, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. 
and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have created us in your image. Lord, and we confess and apologize that that image has been distorted because of our sin. But we come to you this morning with gratitude. Thankful that you have sent your son Jesus, the perfect image, to die on that cross for our sins so that we can be rescued, that you save us from our sins and back to the image that you've created us to be. That is our desire, Lord, but we know we can't do it on our own. We can't save ourselves. You are the only one that can save us. And so I just pray today that you speak to our hearts. Each person here, every person listening online, speak to our hearts today. Transform our lives. Give us hearts of thankfulness for what you have done and what you are continuing to do in our lives and what you will do in the future. We need you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So as you listen to this passage, or hopefully as you studied it even this past week before coming in today, what are some things that you observed? It's always important to make some of those initial observations when you read the passage yourself. And these are some of the things that I saw right off the bat that just stood out to me that the Lord pressed on my heart. One was right off the bat, it talked about the sun being the image, there's that word again, image of the invisible God. And then I saw the word firstborn used twice, referring to being firstborn over all creation as well as firstborn from among the dead. And then there was a key word repeated at least seven times and that was that word all. Not just some, it said all. And then there was these prepositional phrases, this in him and through him and either for or to him that happened twice in this passage. I saw the word reconcile a couple times, which we'll want to define later on. And lastly, there are these progressive connecting words of once, but now, and if. Well, let's unpack this a little bit this morning. But before we do, I want you to recognize the poetic structure of this passage. We're in verses 15 through 20, It's poetic and it causes us to just stop a little bit and to pause and to think about what is really being said here. Where the first part in verses 15 to 17 describe Jesus as the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation. And then the second part in verses 18 to 20 describe Jesus as the head of the church and the firstborn over the dead or the new creation. And so here we can see that Jesus is the Lord of both creation and the new creation or redemption. And so it's critical to see that parallel here in these verses. 
And verse 15 describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God. And that reminds me of John 1.18 that says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, who has made him known. So we can clearly see God through Jesus in his human nature because Jesus is both fully man and fully God. And he is the perfect image. As it says in Hebrews 1.3, it says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And so we are created in God's likeness, while Jesus is the exact image of God. And he displays what God intended humans to be by radiating his glory. And then Jesus is also the firstborn over all creation. And I want to be clear here that Paul is not implying that Jesus was created, but instead he's implying priority in time and rank and status of sovereignty, where Jesus is before all creation, so that denotes eternity, as well as being supreme over all creation. And then in verse 16, we see the series of these prepositional phrases where it says, in him and through him and for him. And in him implies before. And it is in Christ that all things, all things are created. He is the location from whom all came into being. He is the ideal for all creation. And then through him, all things are created which means that Jesus has power over all of them. In John 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then it says, And all things have also been created for him. So Jesus is not just the agent of creation, he is the goal of creation. It's for his honor and his praise. Therefore, in this poetic structure, we see it move from the past, where it says in him, to the present, through him, and to the future, for him. And in him, all things also hold together. So not only is he the creator, but he's also the sustainer of the universe. He's the divine glue that holds it all together and keeps it from falling into utter chaos. Therefore, the whole universe, including us as humans, depends entirely on Jesus. Don't miss that point. It depends entirely on Jesus. And so what does all this mean for us today? Well, we talked about Jesus being the Lord of creation as well as the Lord of the new creation or redemption which is what we now read about in verses 18 through 20. It brings us to the second D, and you can write this on the bulletin. The second D is deliverance. Deliverance from sin through Christ. Redemption's a big word. It's a big word, and what that means is it means to buy back or to rescue from a state of bondage. I'm gonna say that again. Redemption means to buy back or to rescue from a state of bondage. So Jesus delivers us from the bondage of sin. Pastor Steve mentioned the verse in Colossians 1, verses 13 to 14, where it says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness 
and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so although the fall placed us in the dominion of darkness, Jesus, the Son of God, can rescue us and grant us forgiveness and deliverance of our sins. And, we, and as we read in verses 18 to 20, we see this parallel language again to what we heard in verses 15 to 17. But now we're shifting from talking about creation to talking about new creation. And as it starts in verse 18, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So the words he is emphasize Jesus, where Jesus is sovereign over creation and also over the new creation, the church. And as the head of the church, he leads and guides it, and he's the source of life for the church as well as its sustenance. And Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. His resurrection from the dead is why we can have new life today. So through his resurrection, he conquered sin and death so that the old fallen humanity, enemies to God, enslaved to sin, has now become a new humanity of hope, of hope where Jesus can deliver us from bondage. And Colossians 1, 19 to 20 says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We see those prepositional phrases again. Did you catch that? Do you see that here? We see the in him and through him and now to him. Jesus is supreme because all of God's fullness dwells in him. He is fully God. And through him, God reconciles to himself all things. Makes me think of Romans 5:10, which says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That word reconciled means to be or become restored to favorable or friendly relations with another after a presumed wrong. Again, reconciled means to be or become restored to favorable or friendly relations with another after a presumed wrong. Well, we had been enemies of God due to our sin, separated from him and bound for death. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, he reconciles us to himself and all of our other fallen relationships with ourselves, with others, and with creation. And God created all things through Christ and he reconciles all things through Christ where he redeems his broken image bearers, us, the new humanity where the old is gone and the new has come. So I ask the question, what shattered pieces of sin need to die in our lives that separate us from God? What shattered pieces of sin need to die in our lives that separate us from God? Is it control or success or acceptance or comfort or pleasure or material things of this world? Is it anger that's grown into bitterness or selfishness 
or unforgiveness or having a bad attitude or dishonoring or disobeying our parents or cheating on tests or living with and are having a sexual relationship with our boyfriend or girlfriend outside the bounds of marriage or is it unfaithfulness in marriage or abortion or partying or workaholism or obsessive gaming or addictions or grief that leads us to isolation and away from Christ or is it us hiding in shame? Well, in college, God convicted me of trying to save myself. And he helped me see how great of a sinner that I am. That it wasn't about trying harder or being as good as I could be, but I needed to humbly, humbly recognize my sinful ways and to be poor in spirit and then to ask Jesus to forgive me. So during a fall retreat, I did just that, and I just felt this weight of sin just lift off of me. Jesus paid it all. He took that sin upon himself. And as I continue to grow in Christ, I still have to seek his forgiveness daily for my sinful ways. Because it's only through Jesus' sacrifice and the blood that he shed on the cross that we may have peace and deliverance from the bondage of sin. It's only through Jesus' blood that we are redeemed from the curse of the law and delivered from from, uh, slavery as well as the power of sin. So I say that we need to stop cutting ourselves, trying to save ourselves, but instead lay those shattered pieces at the foot of the cross and fully surrender to the one whose blood saves us. And that brings us to the third D, which is devote. You can write that on the line there. It's devote, devote ourselves to Christ. And in the last three verses of this Colossians passage, we see connecting words of progression. We see the words, once you were, followed by, but now he, and then lastly, if you. There again is a past, a present, and a future in the progression. And as we previously discussed, once we were alienated from God, and we were enemies of him due to the fall and our sin. But Paul reminds us that we are enemies of God in two ways. One, through our hostile thoughts, our hostile thoughts and attitudes in our minds, as well as our evil outright behavior, where we both thought wrong as well as acted wrong, not according to God's ways. But now he, this gives us reason to praise right here, but now he has reconciled us through his death on the cross and resurrection to new life. So while we were God's enemies, sinners, We were reconciled to God the Father through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, we can die to sin and be presented as holy. And God desires for us to grow in holiness in our present life as we grow into the image that he created us to be. And in the future, when Jesus returns, he will present present us as the perfect image. He will restore us to be entirely without blemish and to be free from accusation. Therefore, we can die to sin and we can live for Christ. 
Because again, Jesus did not come to save us from humanity. He came to save us from our sin and back to humanity, to who he intended us to be before the fall. Well, Mike Shannon, he is a professor of preaching at the Cincinnati Bible Seminary, and he describes a story about a a different kind of artist. He talks about an artist called Joshua Allen Harris. And Joshua Allen Harris, he makes art from trash bags, and he places them all over New York City, and oftentimes he places them over air vents because it gives them then a sense of life. And he's made sea serpents and giraffes and robots and bears, and here's a picture of an example of the art that he made of a bear. So that's a trash bag that he puts over a vent in New York, and you can see it's pretty cool. But whatever you may think of the value of this kind of art, it can be a parable. It can be a parable for those of us who think that we're too bad to be redeemed, that we're trash. And we have all met people who thought they were too bad for God to love and to use in his work. Or maybe it's you today that think of yourself as trash. But God doesn't define us by how far we have fallen short. God doesn't see us this way. He doesn't see us as trash. He sees us as his masterpiece. Don't forget that. And so how should we respond? Well, it brings us to to verse 23, where Paul says, if you, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. The church in Colossae received false teachings. There's a lot of false teaching that was trying to influence the church there, trying to obstruct the mission of Jesus as well as God's plan for the world. And so Paul reminds the church about our confidence in Christ and to stand firm in our relationship with him. And it's an essential reminder for us today as well. Because Satan's lies and the world's voices and vices are going to continue to pull us away and create this tension in our life, wanting us to pick up those shattered pieces again and to try to take things into our own hands once again for our own glory instead of fully surrendering to God for his glory. But Jesus calls us to be his disciples and to fully surrender to him. That's why we wear these wristbands. Mark 8, 34, it's a reminder where Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And our mission here at Faithy Church is to become fully surrendered disciples who love God, who love others, and who share Jesus. And if you're new with us and want to find out more about Faithy or just get to know us on staff, we do have Pizza with the Pastor right after this, and you can join, or not after this service, after the 11 o'clock service, where you can join us in the fireside room, and we'd love to visit with you, and you can learn a little bit more. Also, if you're considering becoming a member of the church and to live out this mission on a daily basis, we're starting up our membership class again starting next Sunday, and it'll go for three weekends, October 1st, 8th, and 15th at 9 a.m., and go for about an hour and 15, an hour and a half, and so we'd encourage you to join us. You can register online, just so we know how much we're coming. But really, again, our mission here at Faith E is to become fully surrendered disciples who love God, who love others, and who share Jesus. 
And after Jesus rescued me and he forgave me of my sins during my sophomore year of college, I still struggled with those tensions of the world. I still struggled with the desires of the world and I found myself oftentimes drawn back into those temptations. And it was about a year later at a conference where the Lord convicted me of worshiping things in creation more than worshiping him fully as the creator where my devotion was not entirely on Jesus, but it was swayed by things of this world. And I knew that Jesus had saved me, but I needed to fully surrender to him and to rely on his strength and the daily work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that was a defining moment in my story. The story of what God has done and continues to do in my life. And every day I must die to sin and live for Jesus by putting complete, complete faith in him not myself, and not the things of this world. So I'd encourage you today that if you have never placed your faith in Jesus, that today is the day. I pray that today would be the day that you surrender all, stop trying to do it on your own, and place your faith in Jesus. He's the only one that can save us. Or if you've done that and you find yourself today wavering in your faith, I pray that today is the day that you fully surrender to him. As pastors, we'd love to pray with you and visit with you after the service. If that is you today, I'd encourage you to come up after the service so that we can pray with you, visit with you, journey with you. Because we all need to ask ourselves, where is our devotion? Where is our devotion? The fall shattered our relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and creation as a whole. And our sin pushes us to hide in shame and to blame others as we live in a broken world. But the good news, the gospel, is that our story does not end there. And we can put on our 3D glasses and we can witness and participate in God's story in our lives. Because Jesus redeems us of the distorted image caused by our sin. He delivers us from sin and he reconciles all the relationships impacted by the fall. So we are to die to sin and be devoted to Christ, to rejoice, to give thanks, and to surrender to the one whose blood shed on the cross brings us peace and brings us redemption, new life through Christ. Well, I was recently at a prayer summit at Beartooth Christian Camp about a month ago. I was grateful to have that opportunity for a prayer summit. And during that time, I broke away for some individual prayer. And during that time, I just wanted God just to tell me, what am I supposed to do next in my life? I shared with you before that uh, Rachel and I, my wife and I, we are empty nesters now. Both of our girls are out of the house. And so I'm like, God, I just want you to tell me, what am I supposed to do next? And as I prayed, he gave me this visual of a computer screen with this next button on it. I don't know if you guys have taken surveys or evaluations and things, and oftentimes you see that next button there and you just want to quickly push through and go, right? Just to go, figure out what's next and get it done. But God was telling me to pause. At that moment, he was telling me to pause before hitting that button and to take the time to rejoice to rejoice in all that he has done in my life and to be thankful for those many blessings 
and to not be so quick just to hit that next button and to try to press on to the next task, but to take the time to remember with gratitude what Jesus has done for me and then to respond with wholehearted devotion and surrender to him. And so I challenge each one of us this week as a call to action this week, as I challenge each one of us to write out a prayer of salvation or thanksgiving. Write it out, rejoice, be thankful. If you've never given your life to the Lord and this is the time that you're gonna do that, I pray that you write out this prayer of salvation. If you have, I pray that you write out this prayer of thanksgiving and don't just keep it to yourself but share it with someone else this week. I'd love to hear about this prayer that you're writing out as well. As we come to a close this morning, our worship team's gonna sing a song. It's a great song. And I'd encourage us all just to take a posture of prayer as you listen to the song with gratitude. You can stand if you want, you can sit, you can be on your knees, whatever the Lord is calling you to do this morning. I just encourage you to be in a posture of prayer as you listen to the words of this song and open up your hands in surrender and devotion and praise to the one that has redeemed us.
I know I am sure thankful that I am redeemed and that Jesus has set me free and I am not who I used to be, not because of myself, but because of Jesus. So please stand with me, would you, as we come to a close this morning. Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I love you all. God bless you. I hope you have a great week overflowing with thankfulness for the fact that Jesus has redeemed us. Have a great week.